Hello and welcome to Explore the Symphony. I'm your host, Marjolaine Fournier, Assistant Principal Bass with the National Arts Centre Orchestra. My guest, Jean-Jacques Van Vlasler, is one of Canada's foremost music journalists, credited with over 60 articles for Le Droit, The Globe and Mail, and CBC Radio-Canada. In this series, we discuss the inspiration, lives, and music of great composers. This season, we're studying music that changed music. Hello and welcome to Studio P3. I'm uh, uh, sitting here with Jean-Jacques Van Vlasler and we're having our first conversation of the season uh, as part of the Explore the Symphony series. And this year we're going to be talking about music that changed not only music in time, but how we listen to music. And what better than Mahler's first symphony to do that? Jean-Jacques, hello. Hello. How are you, Marceline? Very well. well I'm looking forward to hearing what well, you have to I mean, say. We're starting with an immense work, of course. One of those works that changed the course of listening over, 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 the, over the, the, the few centuries that we have had our so-called classical music. Um, Mahler's first symphony, which is the beginning of a whole series of symphonies, which for Mahler are the expression of both of his inner world and the world in which he has evolved, which is, of course, the world of the old uh, Austrian monarchy, the empire, which is in its dying days. And it's also the end of the 19th century, and with its Weltschmerz, with its very dramatic complexity of, 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 the, of that spiritual atmosphere which was around Vienna at the end of the century and in the beginning of the 20th century. So. There you have Mahler, born in 1860, died in 1911, 1860, very soon, 150th anniversary of his birth. Very soon, the year afterwards, 100th uh, uh, anniversary of uh, his death. And uh, we will hear most probably a lot of Mahler. And it is wonderful that uh, at the National Arts Centre we have the first symphony almost in the beginning of the, uh, of the season and at the end of the season the eighth symphony, which we call the Symphony of the Thousand, because it needs a very large orchestra, uh, several choirs and a lot of singers to get into that. So um, a Mahler, Mahler is part of this and he will be the, 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 the expressive moment, I think, of the end of the Romantic era, because he's a Romantic person as such, and he, the beginning of what the 20th century will be about. Um, he is, uh, the 20th century, well, his symphonies are not anymore those classical symphonies, which he admires absolutely. Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven. He he's, has a passion for Beethoven, as he has also a passion later for Wagner. Um, the symphonies by Mozart are uh, the, those classical symphonies. Uh, they, they start with a subject, and that subject uh, uh, does a tour and gets back to the beginning. And these are these are perfect circles. Time is closed in time. Um, with Beethoven, 
the subject is a victorious subject. It's an active subject. It's the, it's the working subject. It's, it's the one that takes the fires away from the gods, but is running his own life. In the Mahler symphonies, in the Mahler symphonies at the end of the century, about 50, 60, 70 years later, you will have the subject is lost. The subject wanders. The subject doesn't know where he will end up off. Of course, of course, that is the end of the century, which uh, Nietzsche has called God is dead. So there's nobody to guide you anymore. And you're, you're bypassed by, by societal events. Marx has written his books. You're bypassed by internal events, subconscious. Freud is uh, somebody who's living in Vienna at that time and who will meet uh, for one meeting uh, Mahler, where Mahler will explain his youth to him on a beach somewhere in Holland, where both of them were, were staying at that very time. And it was in the beginning of the 20th century. So we have there a, um, a, a symphonic world which where time is not a closed in time anymore, but where time is a psychological time. It is the time of the subject trying to find his way through the world. That's why the symphonies by Mahler are not what we call, and I put it between quotation marks, these are not pure symphonies anymore. Beethoven symphonies are pure symphonies. They, 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 they have, the, the road is very clear. They go from one point to another point. With, with him, these are whole truth, and again, quotation marks, whole truth symphonies, in which the sounds of the world come in. Trumpet sounds, trumpet sounds that come from his youth. The sounds of nature, Naturlaut, that, that invade the symphonies uh, left and right. So, the, the roads of the, of the subject is a road in which he is uh, wandering and wandering. With at the end of the symphony, of course, always this extraordinary thought of death. Even if it's in his first symphony, which is a symphony of youth. Well, death is very present in the symphony of youth. So when you say death, you're saying not uh, hope or death with hope together. Death with hope together. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, there is always the, 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 uh, the, the glorification of nature and of life. He loved life. He was a walker, a mountain climber, a swimmer. Very good. He was a very sportsy, a sportsy person. And uh, I have never been at the end of his life. He said, I've never been so full of life. <laughs> Mm. Um, so, he, uh, but at the same time, uh, he is somebody who looks death straight into the eyes and doesn't run away from it like the classics and doesn't run away or doesn't find um, internal paradises to run away from it like the romantics. No, he is very clear. He sits in front of it and he... he <laughs> He works it out. <laughs> so it is what Hegel, the philosopher, called these are these symphonies are what Hegel uh, called the bad course of the world. 
you know, in the beginning of the century, everything was, it was optimism. You know, Haydn is optimism. Mozart is the discovery of the self. And Beethoven is the discovery of the willpower of the self. And, you know, we'll make it and we'll take over the society and we'll, up to a certain point, we'll take the place of the gods. But when there is no God anymore and when you don't know exactly where you're running and where you, you, you are in that kind of absurdity, which will give us Kafka and later uh, Albert Camus, the French, French uh, writer. So uh, it's the bad course of the world. And these symphonies are the representation of the bad course of the world. So you're explaining a little bit what goes into the symphonies. And... I understand a little bit better. I wanted to ask you why, uh, like in the first symphony, for example, and, and we can talk about Nietzsche and, and God and being a Jew or being a Christian and the Virgin Mary and all this. But first of all, in his music, in his first movement, it starts so peacefully and, and then there's trumpet fanfares. I, me, when I hear a trumpet fanfare, I expect something big will happen. And nothing happens, really. So you're telling me that as part of his music, memory <laughs> happens. You see, what, what I was telling is that uh, the, uh, his symphonies are like the novels of Proust, the French writer. You know, memory comes back regularly and, 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 uh, and, and flashes of the future come in there also. And, 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 and the, the road is not straight. It's never straight. You know, we know about this <laughs> in the beginning of this 21st century. You know, this is um, total optimism is certainly gone. I feel totally stupid <laughs> in, in, in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, what he's showing is, is, the, is this new road. The, the, the I, the me still exists, but it's on a distorted road. And it's distorted by your memory, by, by your hopes, by your false hopes, by things that happen to you. Are we the puppets of God? You know, that's one of those questions that I've been very much asked at um, even. Um, but I do think that for him, he will replace God by sound. <laughs> His God will be sound. And that's why he's also a very great conductor. And uh, that is, um, and, and all these elements have been helping him in creating those symphonies, which are his personal road very much, very much. I am, I put myself fully, he says after the first and the second symphony, I put myself fully. Those that can listen will know uh, what I am and where I am. And, you know, this is, his persona is very much involved in those symphonies. These are um, autobiographical works. Well, they, they are, and this is clear to you, and they're clear to him also, and I think he wrote some notes and explanatory descriptive notes f to, to help the, the, his audience, because at first it wasn't a big hit, his symphony, but he had this title, Titan. And and he tried to write notes, and then he realized his notes were ah they weren't helping anything. So can you explain that? Yes, to us? but he he will write notes, and then afterwards he will say I I did that so that uh, and unfortunately people didn't either people didn't understand or took them too seriously. So there are no notes. My music is absolute music. You have to listen to it as such. You see, and uh, he 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 got away from that. I think for a moment. 
he got away from that and he wanted to um, he he wanted to people to listen to his symphonies without reading too much of his own personal notes into it so there, there has been an internal fight by uh, for 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 Mahler about that um, but the, uh, the 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 first symphony which you mentioned is uh, you, you mentioned those trumpets trumpet calls well trumpet calls he uh, when he was a little boy uh, uh, in Iglau in the little city in Moravia um, there, it was a garrison city and so he would hear the the, the fanfares around him and um, he 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 put together um, those waking up calls in the morning very often with those fanfares. He tells Freud the story, the following story. Um, he, his parents didn't, uh, it was not a happy marriage, his parents' marriage. Um, and uh, a big fight happened one day. By the way, they had 14 children and seven of them died in early and um, Mahler was the second of those uh, of the of the fourteen, um, and then uh, uh, one other one died uh, when he was nine years old, and then Otto died uh, when he was in the early twenties, suicide, uh, suicide. Yeah. and he was certainly as gifted as as Gustav. No, yeah, he was at at uh, at the university at at the conservatory. And Gustav helped him at that time because he was much older than, than Otto. So I'm, I'm saying this, you know, this was a big family. This was a 19th century family. Um, um, Mother was quite religious, so he was brought up as, as, a, as a Jewish boy. That the latest research on that is quite clear. Um, and the, the parents fought. And so he ran out of the house one day and uh, got into the street. And there was a man... On, on his um, organ, you know, the, um, the playing, Oh, du lieber Augustin, 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 this, this very, uh, you know, folkloric song. And um, Mahler has always put drama together suddenly with this song about Lieber Augustine, the clown, you know, and so there is the, the, the clown part, the difference, it's full of differences. His symphonies will be full of um, opposites and explosions. And they're not straight roads. That's what I'm coming to. And, and you're in the midst of a drama, in the midst of a very tense moment in his symphonies, suddenly you will change into a... Lieber Augustine. <laughs> because that's how life is. And that's what life is about. And, and you're making me think also that that organ, the grinder, the, I yes. don't know what you call those, uh, an organ de barbarie. Organ de barbarie, yes. Is never quite in tune. And so it's a little mad, eh? It's of a course. happy tune, out of, of tune, on top of something very sad. And, 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 and his symphonies, the more you go forward when you get into the eighth, and especially in the ninth symphony, in the beginning of the, in the tenth symphony, whatever he had composed on the tenth symphony, you will get into the atonal world. You, you're, he's opening up towards Schoenberg, the second school of Vienna, and not only them, he does all kinds of other things in his symphonies, which will open up to, to Hindemith and to Prokofiev, but these are technical elements, and I'm not, I don't want to get too much into that. But here is the man who has brought, has, he has all the past, and he's, he's opening up to the, to the future. So his symphonies are, are Unlimited, <laughs> but that's what he wanted. He said, "When there is, when there are limits to a work, death enters." 
And that is Dostoevsky also, in fact, you know. When you finish your house, says Dostoevsky, death enters. So never finish your house, never finish. <laughs> so the, 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 when, when you've, and that is also the, the end of the 19th century. These, are, these people represent their time, but these people are beyond their time also. They are so immense that a man like Mahler has, in fact, opened up to the, to the catastrophes of the, of the 20th century. For the, for the new listener of a, a Mahler symphony, uh, you want to uh, cultivate yourself. There's, there's two things that you need to know. What are the good versions? But also, when you sit down with, with Mahler, whether it's in a live concert or on, on record, how do you dispose yourself? Do you, are you expecting a, a trip, a long trip? Or because sometimes, like my first auditions of, of Mahler, I feel like it's a big machine. All the voices are very present, and it's hard to detect where the real paths are from the little paths. And what do you what do you listen to? How do you dispose your yourself, your mind, your ears to listen? You know, you're walking you're walking into a symphony like that, and you're on a path, and suddenly. The path is broken, there is no end to the path and you have to return and then you go, you take another part of the, uh, you know, you get into the mountain and you, you, you find another path and there is another rupture and his, his symphonies are, are ruptured symphonies, they are broken off symphonies. There is a, um, somebody used the image of a broken glass in which uh, he reflects the, the, the images of the world. That is our symphonies, and and I I like it. I like it very much because the broken glass goes to the past, but also captures the the light of the sun, which takes you to the future. I mean, this is, uh, and and so I, I I do think you have to you know sit down, let yourself be taken, but be all ears listen to the beauty of all those instruments trying to tell their story um, he will use instruments as individualists and um, and 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 especially the colors of the instruments he liked to exploit the the weird registers eh? well nowadays with the progress of factor of flutes and basses and strings and everything but he, 
opens dimensions, and so he he, he goes to, to 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 new sounds within the instruments, and he tries to to, to create new sounds. You, uh, we were talking uh, before this uh, this meeting about why did he change uh, the uh, one instrument for another instrument, the cello for the double bass, for example, because the double bass is so much more extreme in what he wanted to say at that very moment. The, 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 the cello would have been a regular classical instrument. You know, what he does, what Berlioz will do also in a way, uh, is he uses uh, the, uh, the, uh, the brass instruments to, to give the tune at a given moment <laughs> and not the regular uh, string instruments that what normally was given or the, the woodwinds. No. And, and so all these things are, are, are trying to break out of the, of the regular pattern and the breaking out of the regular pattern is what he wants to show what that new world is about. What that new world is about both outside, which comes from outside, which bypasses him in a way, but which he represents absolutely remarkably well as a great composer. Hmm. We haven't spoken about this yet, but and you're talking about colors and mm -hmm. um, a composer of the future, but he was first for his living and first and foremost how he was known was as a conductor of opera not only a conductor but especially mm -hmm. conductor of opera and i was reading that he had developed a theory that what would be smart would be a pit an orchestra pit for opera that would rise and fall depending on the repertoire absolutely how very clever and mm -hmm. we do that now. so his, Mo his god was sound his god was sound yeah so he he uh, that's what we do everywhere now so you talk, he was very much deep in the past, conducting uh, past operas, actual operas that were just written. Absolutely. And then he was Contemporary leading. operas. Mm -hmm. So tell us about this. Well. How come, first of all, how come he conducted operas? He didn't write operas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there are several questions in here. Yes. Uh, first one has to see that um, until the end of that century, until Mahler's time, all conductors most of the time, un until that time, uh, most conductors were composers. Composers were conductors. This was the kind of pattern. Um, uh, Mozart conducted his works, uh, Beethoven conducted his works until he didn't hear, even at the time he didn't hear anymore. You know? and, uh, and, uh, and Schumann conducted, and Mendelssohn was one of, one of those great conductors, and Mahler, Mahler is a conductor who will be setting the pattern of the contemporary 20th century orchestra and the orchestras that we still know together uh, today. On the other hand, conductors at that time only from time to time conducted concerts. Conducting was opera. <laughs> That's why they were such great conductors. That's why we have a whole different kind of conductors these days, because they don't conduct opera. <laughs> now, the third part of your question is, uh, why didn't he compose operas? Well, um, there is a saying that uh, Wagner brought the uh, symphony orchestra into the opera. Mahler brought the opera into the symphony orchestra. That means the sounds of voices, all those instruments are voices. And that's the answer and that's how you should listen to the orchestra playing.
They're all individual voices. Sometimes it's very difficult to take, but when you learn it, then you see what an extraordinary world he's giving to you and a new world and a world that is saying what our future was about in the 20th century. Okay, that's one thing. This brings us to the first symphony because in the first symphony, it's full of voices. <laughs> he brings in many of his leader and especially um, the songs of the wayfarer. Two of the leader of the cycle, the songs of the wayfarer are in that symphony in the first movement and in the third movement. In the first movement, it is uh, this morning I went, uh, I went walking over the field. It's the wanderer theme. It's a wanderer theme, which in where Mahler is the uh, is in fact a, a follower of, 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 of Schubert. <laughs> and in the third movement, in the so-called uh, funeral march, so-called funeral march, um, uh, where in the middle part uh, he says, through the song, uh, two blue eyes of my darling, um, how to escape from reality through sleep. How to escape from reality, escape the thoughts of death through sleep. It's a very, very, very interesting part, that, that middle part. It's a very human. And it's a very, much, I don't want to know about all this, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm tired of thinking that death is looking into my eyes. And so there we go. Four movements, four movements for that first uh, symphony, which is introduced by, by a, a hushed introduction, which are uh, 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 by the strings, which is the infinity of nature. And, and, and then, of course, uh, where suddenly you have those fanfares uh, uh, and, and the, the, a cuckoo song <laughs> coming in. So you have both Naturlaut, the song, the sound of nature on this infinity and the, the sounds of culture, <laughs> which is the military culture, which is youth. And so the visions of youth um, and, and um, some memories coming back, um, nostalgia, loss of innocence through the, to the, to the romantic horn, so, uh, appeals that, that come in, and the world is opening up, and then suddenly you have that theme of walking through the fields and a wanderer walk. And it's and quite happy. It, hey? And it's pastoral and it's wonderful, yes. And it goes, you know, and, and it goes to a climax and then it comes back to tranquility because we are at noon hour and it's the warmth of noon hour. But in the middle, there is some, some mysterious stillness, some, you know, out in that second part, in the first movement. And uh, the walking tune will come back. Um, the, the horn calls awaken the dreamer again. The Walk, the, the, the melody of the walker comes back and then and there is a more anguished part following. Uh, the anguished part has to do most probably with his memories. His father took him into the woods one day. And this is a story that he, t he tells about the first symphony and the first movement. His father took him into the woods, said, wait for me here. I'll return. And this little boy, he must have been six or seven, this little boy sits there and the father does not return. He only returned hours and hours later. And that anguish 
was still in, and he shows it in that part of the of the first of that first symphony of the first movement of the first symphony. So, and, and that sweeps then in a terrifying climax, and then uh, and then we have the uh, a nice uh, D major um, that, to finish to finish that's that, that exuberant first movement. Yeah. So you see, these are memories. These this is. This is he's walking through his youth in that first movement. And you're describing something very, you said pastoral. And I was thinking while you were talking, you know, the cuckoo, yeah. I was thinking of Beethoven's pastoral and of that course. lovely theme in this symphony mm-hmm. in the first pop, mm-hmm. pop, 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 pop. It's a long mm-hmm. walk, a long and quiet mm-hmm. river, nothing. Mm-hmm. But then you tell me this crazy story. Of and him then the being crazy story that comes. And that's woods. why there are those movements in the first, in, well, in that first symphony that, that, that are uh, torn movements, one. And, and he shows it in the music. So just follow and try to imagine this little boy, this, this Mahler little boy. Mahler is, when he composes this symphony, my God, he's, 20, he's uh, 25 years old. 25 years old? How many 25 years old have composed this, a work, a work like that going, they're going in depth? He will do it in his second movement, which is a landlock, you know, one of those peasant dances. And he goes back to another song, Hans und Greta. Um, and, and you see the, the stampings and the yodlings of the, of, of that. And it's, it, it is the primitive pleasures of, of life at the countryside, you know, which is an ideal, an ideal. Yes, that, that comes the closest to happiness. So, um, and then, then the famous third movement, famous third movement on the basis of, of that n- uh, the nursery rhyme, uh, um, Frère Jacques in French, Bruder Jacob in German, and I think Brother Martin in English, and uh, which he uses in the first and the third section of that movement. Now, uh, people have called it a, a, a funeral march. It's a, it's a kind of ironic Take off of that uh, Brother Martin theme, and uh, and very Jewish uh, 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 modulation of the of the tempo and of the of the of the sounds also, and so um, he will. Uh, it becomes a an. An eerie fairy tale, you know. So one of the things that 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 you don't want to to have too often in your in your nightmares, and and uh, and it is. What does he use? Well, this is a good example for for Mahler's usage of instruments. So on the on the muffled drum beat, uh, there is a muted solo double bass, who sings. The solo bass sings the, the, the that melody first, and then the toy-like fanfare on the on the oboe, the, the acute, biting, a biting oboe that goes on it, and that which of course aids poignancy to to it. But I told it's the first and the third part, and in the middle, what does he do? He uses the zwei blaue Augen von meinen Schatz, the two blue eyes of my darling, to show the escape of from reality through sleep. And then, and then, at the end, you know, the 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 the, the, the phantom, the specter enters again, and there is, you know, the movement movement will fade into darkness. So that's that's it's an extraordinary moment. I mean, and then of course the fourth movement, the last movement opens as he calls it himself with a cry of a wounded heart um, a dissonance 
cry of the of the woodwinds and of the of the brass instruments and this is very anguished music and and of course intensified by the by the vision of death and um, and then it will go into a a a a triumphal march the hero the hero um, and that was the title titan it it comes from a book by jean paul uh, who was a German, uh, German famous author, and it's the story of a hero, and uh, ultimately the hero takes over. He's young; he's twenty-five, Mahler, and so there must be something good, and we'll 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 vanquish, we'll we'll get there. And at the end of the symphony, there's a wonderful ending of the symphony for all instruments. You know, we have all these horns getting up, standing. You know, we asked the horns to stand up, and uh, and, and they play and with the, the bell up, right? That's spectacular. Absolutely, they they turn the uh, so how many the horns? In the hair. It's like eight, eight horns, no? That should that be. depends. It should be eight horns, but it could be it could be. Sometimes there are less horns. Uh, I, there is a famous story about that in the 1950s in France. There was a uh, I shouldn't tell stories. I mean, this is a, please. But, uh, the, in the in 1950s, uh, the Orchestre du Conservatoire uh, people would go to the rehearsals and then not go to the second rehearsal. And like some in the, or the London orchestras, very often happened um, and still happened from time to time. I've seen conductors getting very angry about that. Didn't I tell you that yesterday? <laughs> you know, oh, I wasn't there yesterday. You know, and so um, so one of the horn players has to in the first symphony um, he has something to do you know family business so he goes to his concierge and he says to his concierge the only thing you have to do there are eight horns he said the only thing you have to do when they get up at the end you just do as if you're playing so there comes the night of the concert and uh, and uh, and we get into the last movements the horn players stand up they and they get to the moment the conductor gives their signal no sound Eight concierge. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Um, well, Jean-Jacques, I'm. I just wish we could talk some more about this. We haven't. We just have a small idea. I am very much looking forward to speaking to you again on this subject of music that's changed the way we listen to music. Absolutely. Looking forward to talking again. So do I. Thank you. That's all for this edition of Explore the Symphony. Send your comments and questions to nacpodcasts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Check out our sister podcast, the NACOcast, with the NAC Orchestra's principal bassoon, Christopher Millard. You can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nacpodcast.ca 
or searching for NACCNA in the iTunes Music Store. Musical excerpts provided by Naxos of Canada. So until next time, this is Marjolaine Fournier saying thank you and goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. Thank you.